Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Jake from West London, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, why are houses usually square? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Oh, hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from. We are talking everything from Jake from West London's question Why are houses usually square? Uh. Dane, Interesting. Dane, can you be bothered to come on? Where do you? Yeah, oh, that's that's the theme of our podcast. Why are they? Why are they square? I feel like a s- structural efficiency. I think maybe yes. having to make things round probably costs a lot more and takes a lot more time to have like takes up too much curved, space. Curved beam, yeah, curved beams and having like a curved roof might be quite difficult. Um, so, Jake, I really think it's down to uh, structural efficiency. I'm sure at some point people have experimented with uh, circular housing or spherical housing, but I think that the logistics of it probably makes it very difficult. I imagine if the there's some also some load-bearing and some foundational uh, issues that would arise from having the uh, diameter of the circle taking most of the weight or taking a la- less of the weight. I mean, I'm a, I have no idea about how architecture works. No, but we know you've got to pack as many people in as humanly possible in as short, a small amount of space as possible, and that's why they're square, Jake. Yeah, in the same way, so I guess houses work the same way that chocolates do. You get to fit more in in a square box. Correct. But suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dane? Absolutely. No question will be condemned or uh, unsafe to uh, pine upon. All live within and also no question's integrity or structure of its integrity is too poor for us to address. So if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can subscribe to us on ACAST, the world's biggest podcast network. We can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a British singer, songwriter, producer and model. Her hit single, Shark in the Water, helped her debut album, Travelling Like the Light, sell over one million copies in the US alone, as well as propelling her to the top of the charts in France. She's a songwriter for hire, for acts such as the Pussycat Dolls and the Sugar Babes. Alongside her musical achievements, she has written articles for The Guardian and various national newspapers, and has become more involved in journalistic endeavours. She's currently working on launching the Say Something Collective charity, and will work on activism for change in the arts, supporting artists from marginalised communities. The collective has their first exhibition debuting this year in 2022. Please... Welcome to the podcast, an amazing all-round polyglot slash polymath who also joined me as a panelist on Unapologetic. It can only be Miss Vivi Brown. <laughs> I feel quite big-headed, just woo-hoo-wing for myself. Yeah, you're excited. It's nice to see someone really excited to be on the show, Dane. I'm humbled and flattered, and uh, I hope we can reciprocate the same level of excitement and anticipatory excitement for having you on the show, Vivi. We said we'll make this happen when we met on Unapologetic, so it's so nice to finally have you here 
couple Indeed. questions just some preamble questions first one how are you doing how are you feeling mm. Whew, well i'm a mother and i'm tired <laughs> we should have, should have put it on now it should have been at the top howard that should have been at the top of this bio yeah but it gets weird if i start doing that like then some people some people are single we don't want to put that out in their biogs do you know what i mean that's true that's true but yeah. a, a british accomplished mother singer songwriter sure at al sure yeah i'm good i'm real good it's sunny outside and um yeah helps um, yeah it's it's a good day it's a good day and in listeners vivi's a fan of the show so i'm not saying that of great surprise but it's just nice to say that vivi's a fan of the show i am indeed it's great yeah any any episodes you recommend to our new listeners i've never done this before <laughs> ask a guest and oh, recommend yeah, anyway, anyone anyone who's entering into the question everything sphere at a uh uh, a beginner or introductory level and in particular guest or episodes you recommend which is not the question we want to ask you but you yeah. know we'd like to hear back from the people just while we're here you put me on the spot a bit um let me think let me think uh the marvin harrison mm-hmm. i thought nice. was was really good i got emotional uh, with that. i felt quite emotional marvin makes me emotional as a man i'd say yeah and also you had shazia mirza is that oh, right yeah, yeah. the comedian yes. yeah, I, yeah. I think that she's incredible um i actually interviewed her on a podcast I did about two years ago and I was in stitches mm. and crying of laughter. She's her story is just absolutely amazing. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. So yeah. Oh, there you Next go. There you go, listeners. There's Good. some recommendations for you. <laughs> also, yeah. listeners, the incumbent VV Brown episode is highly recommended. So Oh yeah. Look Indeed. out Lair, wait, just wait out for that one. It's coming very, very soon. Um, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates which Vivi is very familiar with. So as our very esteemed guest, we invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you would like, which Howard and I would like to discuss to you for about 15 minutes. And then Howard here would like to also pose you a question, which we'd also like to uh, ask you for 15 minutes of some change. And in the vein of remixes of songs, I'd like to ask you a question, which we discuss for about the same amount of time. And after which we'd like you to tell our good listeners where they can find out about your good and expansive works, past, present and future. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds brilliant. Well, Sounds then the brilliant. floor is, of course, yours to ask the first question. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So I had to really think about this because there are so many questions. Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> um, so the question I want to ask you is, if you were going to dinner and you had the opportunity to invite 10 guests oh. from anywhere in the world living or dead to have a conversation who mm. would you invite and why do i have to have all 10 i don't know if i could be done if i like that many people around when i eat really or well, maybe let's say five let's say five, <laughs> five okay I can let's say five yeah. that's quite a lot don't, don't let howard influence your question because if you wanted to pick out if you wanted to pick out 10 arsenal players he could do it there's 10 people I can't speak to them all at the same time and you know it's going to be awkward because I'm going to see you know someone at the end of the table be like I'm not sitting next to them but Howard they could be like footballers think of it that way so five other people could be footballers who just talk amongst themselves but you know it's Vivi's question so she she, she stipulates the terms you you can be totally strategic with this I'm all good I'm all good Um, but, well, yeah. What made you think about this? Is that because you're, you know, exhausted uh, having food with your daughters, uh, your children every all the time, and you want some different well, company? Well, one, I'm always hungry, right? Because I'm greedy, no. so it always has to revolve around some kind of situation with food. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I just thought that it would be interesting. It kind of it displays perhaps 
what questions you might have for them or the conversations or, you know, your, your interests or perhaps your passions. And also or- I think it's, it's, a, it's one of the strongest indicators of a, uh, I'd say, positive or prosperous or viable relationship of any kind, whether it's platonic or romantic. Can I eat with this son of a bitch? That's <laughs> how you know a relationship is going to work. Can I sit there while this person is putting food in their mouth and can I still bear to be around them? Can I be... Because that's the thing. I think people leave out. We always focus on like, you know, the physical or sexual aspects of relationships or couplings or maybe the monetary aspects of it. But mm-hmm. I already think that eating is a very intimate uh, human practice. And, you know, they say the yeah. family that eats together stays together. You know, music is the food of love. So there's a very close link between food, uh, human expression and their creativity. So it's, it, the question makes perfect sense. I, I totally get it. Tell a lot. Tell a lot about someone. Will that person eat from my plate? Oh yeah. no! Surely not. That's the worst because, kind of person. Because I'm like, no. Are you quite tyrannical <laughs> with the plate? These are my chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. I've, I've never known that joy as a <laughs> cisgender heterosexual man. My plate is open to the world, as, <laughs> as it should be. I don't get. I don't get plate privilege. <laughs> Neither should I. But I don't. Know. I, I am. Howard? Yeah, I've got a few people in my head. Are, are we talking people who are dead as well or not? Living or dead, Howard? There's living no or dead, anybody. Right. You can even say Jesus. Yeah, I mean, the Jewish <laughs> relationship with people having Jesus for dinner didn't kind of work out too well. <laughs> he only came for dinner once and it never really, you know, I don't think he ever came back. Um, wasn't into the chicken soup or whatever. No, I, look, I, I think, look, I, they mentioned I'm a football fan. I'm an Arsenal fan for, for good or for bad. So, you know, Arsene Wenger is the ultimate uh, guy to hang around as an Arsenal fan, more so than any player. You know, the guy was at the club for 20 years, probably getting a gossip out of him, a few true stories that I don't know. So Arsene Wenger would be my football candidate uh, to be at the dinner table. And I know he's good. He's a good talker. He'd be up for it. And, you know, probably not too picky. Uh, I mean, he'll be, you know, he'll be interested in what's for dinner, but he wouldn't, you know. It, I think that'll be a fine pick, Dane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think that Arsene Wenger, uh, being a unabashedly unashamed, uh, culturally astute Frenchman, would uh, be very sensitive to you the, the hawk cuisine that you serve at your dinner, Howard. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a good choice. Should we go, Howard? Would it be easy if we went back to forth, back 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 and forth? Perfect. It'd be yeah, easy. and then we'll then yeah. we'll combine this team. Go on, then. So who do you want to yeah. go for? So Dave? Vivi, just just so just for the sake of brevity, and so Howard doesn't panic too much at this dinner. <laughs> can we do Can we do five each? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then perfect. We at the table. That's all good. Yeah, all yeah. good with me. Maybe yeah. try and reduce, reduce our carbon footprint. I've, uh, the first person I think I have at the table. Is, uh, is uh, the, the late comedian Dick Gregory? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, first of all, he'd have very specific dietary requirements because he's one of the first people that was in the public eye to champion a vegan and then later a raw fruit and veg diet. He was definitely very health focused. I am particularly inspired by him because um, after transcending his career and becoming nationally famous, he um, Almost, well, I would say he turned his back on his career, but he compromised his career opportunities because he wanted to be a part of the uh, civil rights movement in America. So he marched alongside uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and had uh, very close relationships with Muhammad Ali and stuff as well. So I just think anyone most iconoclast from that particular era um, were probably around for one of the biggest points of uh, social flux within the Western world. And I just love to pick his brain about uh, his experiences and also consult his advice or go to him for counsel about how we can 
as artists and creatives continue to positively affect uh, change within our society. So we've nice. got, a, we've got a, an iconic comedian, an iconic football manager. I'm going to move to music. Okay. I think I think we need to keep the you know mixture of right. people. I go. I, do you know what? I was actually listening to an interview a little while ago, uh, and I thought she's a great. She seemed like a great person. I know, never hear from her enough. Is Aretha Franklin, who I think you know was a very very strong character. You know, if anyone starts pissing around too much I think she'll keep order but also you know and it, it lived an incredible life I'm sure very very opinionated God rest her soul when she was alive and uh, full of full of yes. good energy there's a lot of good energy when I when I, yeah. I think of Aretha Franklin a lot of positive energy mm. I don't want this to be a you know a, a, a too serious I don't want it to be you know just silly I don't want it to be a food fight because that seems a waste to these people but um, yeah, I think That'd a reefer. A reefer would be. It could be, could be and, fun. Yeah. And I think you know, next her and Arsene Wenger. I'm sure they'll have plenty to talk about. I mean, she won't really care about the successes of Arsenal in the kind of 21st century. But um, hey, you never know. You never know. I don't think she ever wrote any songs. She might love it. Yeah, I don't she think she ever wrote it. any songs about it. No. I mean, at the time, how big was Arsenal as a team at the time? You know. Yeah. Did we? Did we even consider? Well, this is what we find out at the, at the party. Like, how does she feel about you know George Graham? <laughs> yeah, mm. I don't think we're going to hear that much from Marie Frank about Arsenal, <laughs> but I do think that she would, sitting between Dick Gregory and Arsene Wenger. There you go. Back to you, Dane. What you got? Good one. <laughs> cool. All right, I've got, I've got one, which uh, begins the, I guess, the surreal guest list. Mm. I would like to speak to Isaac, mm. son of Abraham. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, and uh, I'm going to say that um again <laughs> i think it'd be a good guest but um i'm gonna leave it there i'm, go- I'm going somewhere with this <laughs> are you gonna to cause you, trouble is there gonna be beef at this dinner party i just want to have a nice time with these people it's, it's gonna be beef it's gonna be kosher because isaac's here <laughs> come on no, no, i don't have to have a kosher meal uh, you know the, uh, okay right so we've got biblical isaac. biblical character isaac uh, for, uh sitting next to uh aretha, aretha. yeah this, uh, this nice party. That, that's good i like that a lot um, I think I'd, I'd probably start to kind of go towards some of my all-time people that are, you know, if you're putting me at a dinner party, do I want to talk to them? I want to talk to them about their works, but also the, their love of, of, of art and culture. Yeah. And, you know, I love Martin Scorsese's films. Like, I, and, you know, yes. we were going to shout out today at some point to Ray Liotta's uh, sad passing, the star of Goodfellas and other films, sadly passed away last week. And I rewatched. Goodfellas this weekend and remembered that it's absolutely incredible film. Got an interesting female element to it that I kind of ignored because it's such a blokey loved film. It's a really great film and talking to Martin Scorsese he's a, he's a, he's a good conversationalist isn't he Dane? He can talk to everyone I reckon. Yeah, I mean, a great, again, someone who's uh, been uh, amazing in depicting the, uh, I guess the American, um, Americana yeah, the American uh, dream, the rise and fall yeah. of people, whether it's Wolf of Wall Street or Goodfellas or Casino or mm. you know, Gangs of New York. Or, there's more, probably more well, examples. Well, you know, it's, fun- mix. Yeah. it's funny you say about, you, you're funny as you say it about, um, yeah, you kind of overlook the contribution that women made to these films. But when you think about it, a lot of Scorsese films, like... Strong female uh, characters. Yeah, actresses are the conduit between all of the roles that Sharon uh, the men Stone, play. Sharon Stone, Margot Robbie exactly. and, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and Lorraine Bracco. Uh, in exactly. Goodfellas. 
Um, exactly. So there you go. There's our first five, Vivi. How are you feeling? Obviously, we've got to ask nice. you, by the way. So you're you're like number six, mm. right, Dane? Vivi's yeah, absolutely. Come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got you want me to name some? Yeah, we need got four Two. more. Who can we who can we chuck into this mix? Mm. I've, got, I've got one more. Go, go. Okay. okay. Uh, if I'm invited Isaac, I'm also invited Ibrahim. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you causing trouble at this party, Dave? I was going somewhere. But Howard, this is the thing. I don't believe just by having the quote the father of two of the biggest Abrahamic religions in the world, there's going to be trouble. My mm. idea is that that the family that eats together stays together, Howard. Absolutely. So if I can create a paradigm of dining and conversation between mm. these two forefathers of these ideologies. Very wise then, you know, men too. It's the, it's wise men, yeah. It's, it's kind of set an example. So it's me basically being like, can we just talk this out here? Because what we're not going to do is create this narrative that's impossible for these two people who are of the same source, but have maybe gone into two different divergent paths in their lives, are not able to coexist. Trying to represent that on a very small scale. So not Mm. only will the beef be kosher, it's also going to be halal, Howard. Okay, fine. I'm not going to so, argue with you. you. Know, if it goes wrong, you, you're going to have to call the Ubers. I'm going to take it. But what? But I want to at least offer the opportunity for the discussion. You don't have to sit next to them, Howard. That's fine. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm only really too busy that. between Martin Scorsese, Aretha Franklin and uh, Arsene Wenger. Um, there you go. Uh, <laughs> well, good. That's a pretty and good... Vivi. And Vivi, Vivi will be there. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm happy with Howard, that. And Howard giving you the evils and making you look at me like this, being like, why did he do this? But I'm going somewhere <laughs> with this, Howard. <laughs> no, it sounds good. Yeah, sounds I've, got, good. I've, got, I've got other people I'd, I'd throw into the mix. I think I want someone who probably doesn't let their hair down and let's see what they... What, like, we, me and Dane often talk about this filmmaker called Adam Curtis, a documentary maker. Yeah. I mean, mm. he's, a, he's a very geeky guy in many respects, but I bet he'd have a right laugh at this party. Like, he, you know, he wants to be able to all get a few drinks. He gets a bit philosophical. It's, he, he'll, be, he'll be vital, someone like that there. Like a philis- basically, he's a philis- philosopher, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. And, we want, and you want that. I, but I think, I, I, I think that's within the realm of ability for all of our dinner guests. I think everyone there, and that's the thing, everyone at this dinner table, I believe so far, is a, a conversationalist and they're articulate. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's not going to be a point where everyone's like, what should we talk about? Man, anyone yeah. seen, uh, anyone watched uh, Love Island lately? I don't think we'll get to <laughs> no. that point where we start He's... going through like popular culture and tabloids for stories. And so... Some deep... Shit. Yeah, deep we'll shit. We'll be going down. going. Exactly yeah. that. Um, who <laughs> I? So we've got room for two yes. more, Dane. Have you got anyone else? Or, or Vivi? Um, Vivi, let's have, let's have a couple from Vivi. Come on, who, who do you want? Yeah. Okay, let me think, let me think. It's a toss-up for me between Malcolm X mm. or Princess Diana. Oh. <laughs> have both. Have both. You know? I want it to be both. So... There's no way, yeah. But but then there's some pe- there's some people, you know. We've we've had a lot of names here of people that have sadly passed. Mm. God bless their souls. But it maybe maybe there's some people that are kind of here now, and they'd be walking into this place also being like overwhelmed by the fact that they would also be meeting people that they would be like, what the, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, but the, yeah, let me. The reality, mm. the reality of of walking into a place where some of the most famous people who've died are alive <laughs> is definitely going to affect people's appetites. I think for the, at least the first course, <laughs> it would be the best episode of Ghost Hunters that has ever been made, ever in uh, life, ever, ever, ever. Ah, uh, Kanye West. Oh, nice. 
Kanye in- West in that mix. Interesting choice. I think with the biblical characters, it's going to get very messy if Kanye comes. But look, I, I think you could ask him. I'm not sure he's going to come. Just to let you know, I don't get who we invite. I just wouldn't bet on him turning up. If he uh, turns up, turn up. He turns oh, up. He would turn he's up. coming. Oh, he's coming, Howard. He's <laughs> coming. He'll be late. He'll come for the drink to the end. He would come. And the thing is, with how, I wouldn't even. Inv- we wouldn't have to invite him. Really, he just needs to fuck, get wind of the fact that this dinner is taking place. Then <laughs> <laughs> he shows up and he's like. All right, Aretha, I'm going to let you finish your entrees. I want to be very clear to this somebody that can unite both Isaac and Ibrahim under the umbrella of a new religion being loved, led by me. I could do that. And then I think you'll have some kind of, you'll have a lot of dietary requirements. I don't really want him to come, but that's I fine. I believe we have him design the, dog, the doggy bags. <laughs> he, he'd love that. You know, I've, I think as long as Kanye would be able to imprint an aesthetic on it, I think he'd be absolutely fine. You know what I would do? I would have mm. Kanye design the uh, crockery and the cutlery. And what about the outfits and it ends with a fashion show? That's what I'm saying. He'd be all over that. <laughs> he'd be all over that. If we were recreated at Last Supper, we asked um, Kanye West to do the uh, interior decoration and design the table and design the uh, crockery and cutlery. He would definitely, and, and all of the upholstery, mm. he'd love that. Well, I ask one of our uh, more graphically aware uh, listeners to do a Last Supper picture of all of the people we've said. If you could just cut the heads out, put them in there, and um, you win a prize. I'm making this up. But, what, um, and what we'll do is, Howard, is that we'll try to auction the reprint, and all the proceeds will go to a food bank charity. Done. Oh, you could there you go. Done. Done. Oh, guys, guys, make it an NFT. Mm. Huh? Ooh. Ooh. That's good. For charity? That's good. For, chari- for charity, yeah. For fight, charity. Yeah. Say, I'm going to say this now, Vivi, though. If you expect me to continue the conversation at this dinner on <laughs> NFTs, I'm going to have to move. I'm going to be like, oh, what's, what's that he said, Isaac? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what she's talking about over there. NFTs, I've got no idea. <laughs> so hard. Um, it was a very, very good question, though. A very entertaining question. We've talked about a lot of great people. Uh, sadly, mm. many no longer with us, including the biblical yes. characters. People that are now at the podcast in the sky. Yep. Yes. Yep. Very, inspi- very inspiring yeah. people, yeah. at the least. Festival, to the say festival the in the sky. And that, that's how I see the other side. I feel like every year when we lose people who are kind of coined print positively on our species, then they go to a big festival in the sky. And every year that lineup changes and more and more amazing acts are added to it. Like, can you imagine how good the Afterlife Festival was in like 2016? Remember that year when so <laughs> many people passed away? So like, many. Good right? headliners. So really good headliners. Yeah, lots of headliners. So that, that festival would have been, that would have been Coachella on steroids in a rocket ship. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
My question this week is a bit different. Uh, I mean, if I said the same question, it'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it, really? Um, maybe one episode I'll do that, Dave. Uh, <laughs> just to see what happens. The old Groundhog episode, when we, when we finally get Bill Murray on the podcast. Yeah, we'll be asked the same question three times. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed that question. Now my question seems bizarre uh, in comparison, Vivi, so apologies in advance. Uh, it's all right, um, it's all right. But I, you know, tend to stalk, uh, cyber-stalk the, the, the guests before they come on. You like mm. inspirational quotes. I do, I'm indeed, not going to yeah. take... I want to make it very clear... I'm not about to take the piss, okay? I'm definitely not about to take the piss. But I... I <laughs> no, I'm not, Danes. Danes laughing like I'm going to take... I'm not going to take... I'm genuinely not going to take the piss. What people normally say before they take the piss. I'm definitely <laughs> not about to take the piss. I am you more, can take the piss. You can take the piss. I'm actually cool. not. I'm more... I, 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 I've found in this last period in my life where I now have a child and feel a little bit more at peace, weirdly, with society and the world, I try to yeah. understand things that I don't... I don't have appreciation for. So I don't have any appreciation. Mm. I, I, I looked at them and I thought, my question is this, and it goes to Dane and it goes to any listener who wants to talk about it, is what do these inspirational quotes mean to you? What What is it about sharing them? that? Because mm. I, I actually do an inspirational quote on this podcast quite a lot. Uh, which right. Is, which is something, in, and the reason I thought it was interesting is I would never post it. I would never post, and that's just me. That's just the way I feel. But it's always the same thing, right, Dane? It's the happiness equation, which is, a happiness is is reality minus expectations, uh, which is a very nice, very simple, nice, nice, simple basis to live your life. Um, but mm. but I don't find myself posting these things. I find it interesting that you do and that people do. So so what do these inspirational quotes mean to you? To me, well, mm. I grew up in church, mm. right? I grew up with your old lady running down the corridor saying hallelujah, hallelujah, and then she would just smack the child on the side and go back into hallelujah again. I, I grew up with with being empowered by words and by, by phrases that just make you feel lifted. So it's a part of who I am. I'm a songwriter, so I deal with words. I love writing songs. I love words. So mm. for me, words are so powerful. Words have life to me. And I think that when we speak things in existence or we project them, I believe they can manifest into reality. Like, mm. I really believe that. I really believe it. So for me, like when I have a quote, if I'm feeling down or I need encouragement or just feeling need to feel empowered, it really works for me to like create that energy. Mm. I think that's the uh, word, yeah. right? That's the key word that comes up when you think, when you when I think about inspirational quotes is, is, is energy. Something it yeah. brings to some people, clearly not everyone, that I think really helps people's energy become more positive, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I love I love a good one. My one of my favorite quotes that has got me through life um is this one, if you don't mind me saying it. Mm. It's um do not mistake his delay for denial. Uh he specializes in things impossible. Mm. And that, that is so powerful to me because, you know, in life, sometimes there's so many delays or things that go wrong. And you're like, why didn't that happen then? Or mm. why is this happening to me now? But do not mistake that delay for denial. Mm. Because, I mean, I work in television, so I know a lot about that. But, um, you know, 
Yeah, uh, but he, me and uh, me too. Yeah, so I love that one because anything is possible. He specializes in things impossible, or the universe specializes in things impossible. So yeah, that's carried me through a long road that I've been on when I'm feeling like I can't make it or something. But it's interesting mm. you bring up church as well because arguably, and you know. All due respect to any of our religious listeners, but I, I'm not a follower of, a, of any... I don't follow religion closely. But, my mm. God, there's a lot of good inspirational quotes in those books, right, Dane? Like, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, they got the whole... Psalms is dedicated to the whole thing of having inspirational quotes, really. So, you know... That's all about love making. that one. Oh, well, there you go. And, and, and it's <laughs> it really? articulated in such a beautiful way. <laughs> yeah. But even God can smile upon the words. <laughs> I say that at the same time, words and the structuring of words, it's, a, it's a, a very interesting technique where you're looking at something like carnality and having sex or lovemaking uh, in religious text, then words uh, serve as being able to present that idea in a way that is palatable to a very large and potentially diverse audience. So that shows you the power that words and inspirational quotes can have. Yeah, I think there's a lot of inspirational quotes within Bibles, uh, within religious text. I guess because the idea is that you are trying to uh, demonstrate to people using tangible methods, something that is intangible. Mm. You're trying to tap into somebody's spirit. And normally there aren't, there are a few other things outside of the use of controlled substances which can elicit that, but that response. So being able to use words as a trigger to create that, uh, state of being in people is obviously very powerful as well. And, you know, you'll notice when you hear people speaking within the conf within the paradigm of religion or spirituality, uh, the use, the way the sound and words are used is very particular. A lot of time it's uh, low frequency and high vibration, which is yeah. why people, when they are reciting hymns, tend to do so in a low vibrating voice because it encourages everyone to join in in unison. <laughs> if someone shouting at the top of my stage like this, you think, what the, why is that guy shouting at us? But if you're able to change your tone so it sounds more inclusive and relaxing and mimics the human heartbeat, then everyone joins in. Yeah. As opposed to if someone's loud and shrill, it's uh, more alarmist, so mm. it's it, it's not necessarily as inspiring. It's alarming, mm. and it's, it can be alerting, but you tend to find that it's a lot more uh, frightening and divisive as opposed to using mm. inspiration in terms of how you deliver. All in the delivery, Howard, is what I'm trying but to say. I think mm. that is a fascinating element of it, this delivery. Like, yeah. I, you know, like I don't remember the, the first time I ever heard, as, as a Jew, didn't spend a lot of time reading the Bible, um, but like uh, a non-religious Jew, I must stress, but... Uh, judge not lest ye be judged. That, there's a, there's one that I I, re one. I reckon it happens to me once or twice a week where I'm like, I don't think those exact words in my head, but I often will think, hang on, you're thinking about this person being a dickhead. You also, I know it's not as polite a way of saying it. <laughs> I know the back book wouldn't have sold as many copies if you'd been like, it's, it's accurate. Yeah, don't be a dickhead. Cause, just because that person might be a bit of a dickhead is, is kind of, you know, <laughs> my, you know, and I think about it a lot, you know, you kind of, oh, no, actually, I need to try and be understanding, you know. Yeah. Not, you know but you know, but you're flaws. because I guess the reason why inspirational quotes work in that instance is because I guess when you are pondering someone else being a dickhead, for example, <laughs> what you're able to do is you're able to evoke them, if nowhere else but in your own mind. And we yes. could argue that if you are not yeah. able to physically perceive someone with your five senses, 
why are they able to bother you? But obviously we understand that our minds through the process of uh, trauma or experience can still recreate the same uh, emotions and feelings within ourselves just based on a projection of our minds. So right. you think about that, that can, and that comes from one voice in your head. So that can be a part of your neuroses or your insecurity, and that can invoke imagery which can cause you distress. Inspirational quotes then work because you are hearing an external narrative which can still have a positive effect on you. Mm. So, Absolutely. for example, in a, in a capitalist and material or capital-focused society, there's no, you can't really demonstrate an intrinsic reward for helping other people because everyone could argue, what's in it for me? Which in itself can be a quote that can inspire people. But then if you maybe counter that by saying, that you do to the least of my brothers, you do unto me, then, mm. you know, most people don't have to understand that literally to understand what that means. Yeah, it's poetry, um, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like so, poetry. Well, philosophy, it's like, yeah, it doesn't mean well. it. And that's, th and that's the thing with inspirational yeah. quotes is that I guess it speaks to you in a way that isn't trying to appeal or necessarily please your five senses all the time. But then they, I mean, mm. they, I mean, they can, but then they can be as well. I guess different inspirational quotes can uh, inspire different things all the time. So, you know, yeah. you can be like, smells like mama used to make can be a smell that's triggering a particular yeah. memory or a certain sense of nostalgia. Or someone saying, your butt looks yeah. good in that. And I like it. Yeah. That and can have an effect on your, your yeah. self-image. So inspirational quotes. Um, and I guess inspirational quotes kind of are the uh, rebuttal or antithesis of the idea that uh, sticks and stones can break bones and words can never hurt you. I think that's probably one of the worst inspirational quotes that exist <laughs> in our society. Because we all fucking know that words have much more of an effect on you than fucking sticks and stones can. Yeah. First of all, how often do you fucking find sticks in the street? Mm. Not very. Whereas, you know, if uh, someone says, I hereby sentence you to, that's going to hurt you a lot more than a stick and stone is. Yeah. Like if someone's yeah. going to be like, and I hereby sentence you to life imprisonment, or they say, I'm going to throw a few sticks and stones at you. You might go for those sticks and stones if you're not in Saudi Arabia. The idea <laughs> human beings, so much of our understanding of reality is so conceptual and cerebral that uh, this is where most of our reality begins. And then all of our other actions are based on our reaction to what we perceive as our reality because reality is a factor of perception, which is why happiness mm. is reality minus expectation because expectation pertains to a concept we have in our head, which then, mm -hmm. uh, can, if it, depending on how close it is to our reality, can dictate what our uh, happiness level is. So that's an example of an inspirational quote. So an inspirational quote, I guess, shows you that it can elicit a response from you even if mm. you don't have to be actively engaged in a conversation with somebody else. I guess that's why religious texts work so well is that even though none of the people that wrote that stuff are still around, mm. you can still read it and be like, oh my goodness, this still say, holds the same way that it did 2,000 years ago. And it goes beyond religion as yeah. well, you know, like there are, there's so much beauty and so much poetry because there is a real art, coming from us being a songwriter, there's a real art in simplicity in mm -hmm. writing, it's really hard to write a simple sentence that is powerful than a really complicated one. Yeah. And a lot of these quotes are, they are put together. They are beautifully orchestrated where there's such simplicity, but there's such power. There's such conviction to me, like the best pop songs or the best hip hop tracks or the best, I mean, we can talk about hip hop all day long when it comes to mm. motivational quotes. That basically to me is almost part of hip-hop culture but mm -hmm. yeah i i love it because of there's a simplicity one of my other favorite quotes is by james baldwin 
Um, and uh, he says, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Mm. And that's such a beautiful quote because it's so simple and he's played with the words and he's kind of used them and then used them as opposites on each side of the sentence. So, yeah, I think like it's, I find it to be when you find really good quality motivational quotes, I, I see it as poetry in mm. a real Definitely. A real journey of literature, almost like yeah. it's a real, and, and, and that's why you know, the internet is a horribly dark, twisted place, isn't it? Because people's eyes are so cynical most of the time when they're scrolling yeah. through the pictures of people by swimming pools and eating lattes and you know cat videos and stuff. That that to stop and give some of the respect that you're talking about to the kind of poetry, literature, um, philosophy, you know, whatever you want to term what inspirational quotes actually are, uh, most people's mindsets aren't like them when they're scrolling through Instagram. I'm sure there's well, loads of people whose are, by well, the way. The, the reason why is because, well, first of all, social media offers a lot more of a democratic uh, opportunity for people to volunteer narratives or inspirational quotes. But on the other hand, you don't necessarily see if these people are adhering to said quotes. And um, I guess because... The one quote that the internet was missing was "Don't try this at home," and so <laughs> people are still learning. Are still learning to find the inspiration how palatable they are. You know, a pinch of salt. Oh, That's the other boy. thing we used to say as well. That was an inspirational yeah. quote that allowed us to, when we heard quotes in our um, actual reality, we mm. were able to have discernment between said quotes and how much we adhere to them and how literally we take those because we were able to create an idiom by saying, "Take it with a pinch of salt." So that we know that rather than you take it on board, then you need to kind of process this or make sure that it's seasoned before you take on, I guess, the meat and bones of the point. Whereas there's not an equivalent to a pinch of salt yet on social media. And I think that's what the problem is, Howard, is that people can offer inspirational quotes, but we don't know the perspective from which they're offering them. So when people say something like, you know, there's 24 hours in a day, but you're like, yeah, but your parents are in law enforcement. So if you do something in your 24 hours, that's bad and I do something bad in my 24 hours, your 24 hours aren't going to be affected in the same way because they're going to keep you out of prison. Or, you know, in the same way that if people were to spend a part of their 24 hours focusing on what they're supposed to do, instead of indulging you on social media, you probably wouldn't have the platform that you would have. So Correct. I mm. guess the issue is that we probably haven't had the breadth of time to see how these half truths that we receive in the form of inspirational quotes on social media will affect us. And like I said, we just need to create a form of... Take it with a bit of cyber salt, Howard. Yeah, well Definitely. said. That's all we've got to learn. When it comes to social media and toxic positivity, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, members of the non-binary community, always take it with a pinch of cyber salt. I've got a, a bit of fact for you based on a pinch yeah, of yeah. salt. Yeah. Give it to us, give it to us. Did you know that Shakespeare has come up with a whole heap of quotes that he invented that we use in our everyday life. Hmm. Did you know that? I did know he like, had a few, yeah. And he created, like, created a few words as well. Like 1,700 words that he created, like phrases that were invented in his in his works are words that we now use in our everyday life. Can I give you some? Yeah, go for of it. Of course. Right. So in a pickle. Nice. Nice. That's That was invented in Shakespeare. Um, that's green-eyed monster. Clever, yeah. Very good. Love is blind. Wow, this this guy was good, wasn't he? Yeah, 1405, he wrote that. Um, Be dazzled. Nice. 
these these words didn't these are all poetic words he he used cold blooded nice which he used in Hamlet which influences our our our, our legal system because that's what premeditated murder is mm. so so we talk about you know we were talking about quotes and motivational quotes and phrases and things like that I guess we're kind of moving towards like language. I just thought it was like really interesting that mm. at, there was a time when Shakespeare almost made these kind of phrases and quotes within his plays. And now we just use them as normal in our everyday life. I, he, I found would that. Have been, he would have been massive on Instagram, wouldn't he, Dane? He would have been huge. Massive. Yeah, he, would, I mean, he definitely would have been. But then at the same time, I imagine there would have been other detractors who would have been like, yeah, but you know, who's he to tell the story of Othello? Is he a more? <laughs> So yeah, fair, you know, fair point. There are, there are, I'm sure there were people that were um, Shakespeare detractors, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, haters, Shakespeare haters. There's always haters. There's always going to be haters. <laughs> um, it was uh, very yeah. nice to hear you talk about that. No, and I have a newfound respect for inspirational quotes. As long as you take them with a pinch of cyber salt, Howard. Pinch of cyber make salt. That, in yeah. fact, make that kosher cyber salt, Howard. Thank you very much. Yes, I do have that at home. Uh, it's good <laughs> salt. Dane, it's over to you, buddy, for the final question of what has been a very, very entertaining episode. Absolutely. Uh, Vivi, as a, uh, you know, as somewhat of an artistic inspiration yourself, a singer, songwriter and producer, um, my proverbial hat goes off to you. Um, My question, uh, the context behind my question refers to a time which I refer to as Dark Ages, where I believe um, that there was a point in time where creatives, particularly of colour, particularly black women as creators, were somewhat obscured from a public uh, view for a very long time and had a lot of skewed opportunities. I say that to say this, I think about people like yourself uh, and then I think about people like, uh, we also had Skin from Skunk and Nancy on our podcast as well. Mm. Uh, Shinga Shaniwa from uh, The Noisettes. Yeah, um, we've, had Jam- we've had Jamelia on the podcast and stuff as well. Um, and I mention these uh, icons because not only were you singers or vocalists, but obviously being songwriters and producers, label owners, um, you know, covering all bases um but i feel like you know when i look at someone like yourself who's like a label owner who's a singer songwriter and producer who's had success both uh in the us and in france like you've achieved what even today uh are considered marks of uh, massive success within the music industry and yet maybe uh i feel like and you can clarify for me your flowers the bouquet of flowers that you should have received probably aren't as big as they should be considering the achievements you've made. And this is one of the reasons why I made the show I did famous was to give flowers mm. to those who have uh, done a lot more inspiring and a lot more amazing work behind the scenes. But basically what I want to ask you is, <clears throat> just based on your experiences and stuff as well, and given that now the internet, as we discussed, has provided an uh, enormous new avenue of opportunity and expression for successors now that exist in this industry where, you know, I look at people like Ella Mai, We've had massive success in the States. But I still feel like for uh, black musical creatives, we uh, can go under the radar and then you can see 20 years later, you can see a Amy Winehouse or an Adele including in, enjoying this transatlantic success. So I want mm-hmm. to ask you how difficult or easy, depending on your perspective, do you <clears> still <throat> think it is for black women as vocalists? Because it's just a personal thing of mine where I'm just like, how come, for example, I look at the girls from uh, Big Brothers and Sharice uh, and like Nadia and them, and then they mm. were weren't big until they did this Booty Love song, which is like a dance remix. Or I look mm-hmm. at, uh, um, I think her name's Holly, but she was in the AO Technology video with uh, Justin Timberlake and 50 Cent. But she was in a group called Times Four before that. 
Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like I said, looking at people like yourself, like, you know, you're big in France. You had a, an album that was on the charts in the States. Like, more people should be talking about this. And I just wonder yeah. why it doesn't happen, in your opinion. Well, this is a really interesting question and uh, something that I've written about in The Guardian and I'm very passionate about. And I, I kind of consult and work with young artists mm -hmm. to try and empower them. I came into this industry in 2003. There was no MySpace, no Twitter, no hmm. Facebook, no nothing. It was just based on So, so your... it had just been removed from the TV and had their tour shut down and that, as I recall, those times there, hard times. It was, it was a really different time. Mm. And um, you really were in the hands of major labels mm. and everything was about getting signed to a major label. Now, at the time, there wasn't a lot of black women getting signed in the same way that our white counterparts were getting signed. So it was very, I guess, disp disproportionate. And it was difficult. I feel very blessed that I was able to have a record deal, but the journey was definitely turbulent and difficult. Um, is it different now than what it was then? Yes, I believe that it is different, but there are still hurdles. There are still hurdles. I still believe did, that did there you hear is... About, did you hear about Ray? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I reached For out example. to her. Um, I think the problem is not... There are a lot of A&Rs who have good intentions and there are a lot of people that have good intentions on signing artists. But the problem is in not understanding how to market us, understanding what where our demographic is or even down to back in the day I remember going on fashion shoots and no one wanted to do my hair or I was immediately told when I got signed that I should have a weave and at the time I'd never heard of a weave I just had my natural hair as a little 17 year old so that I would look more European so I think it's more about the lack of understanding the lack of knowing how to market us in in this country when I went to America I, I couldn't believe there was this whole community that was supporting and lifting me up as an artist. I'll never forget walking into BET and the way that I felt, the way I felt included, I didn't feel like I was on the edge of the circle. Mm. Everyone always gets shocked when we say that we sold over a million records like worldwide overseas. Well, how, yeah. How do, why do people not know that? Yeah. That, that's, that, that's amazing. That's, that's platinum by America. Like, and I don't think a lot of people know the difference between record sales to achieve a platinum status yes. in the UK versus the numbers you have yeah. to do to get platinum status in the US. Yeah. So that's a million copies. Like and that's rare. That's like that puts you in like, you know, the top fifth to one percentile of just musical yeah, artists no, in we, general. No one really talked about the successes we had across seas. It, I, I see them as almost like silent successes. Um there was a lot of silent mm. successes that there was never really any praise. I remember there's an amazing journalist called Matilda E. Cooper who did a fantastic piece in The Independent about this, where she talked about artists like Floetry, um, like myself, like all these mm -hmm. black artists that had gone over to America, mm -hmm. like Estelle, for instance, with her working with Kanye. Mm -hmm. who, was with, who was working with Kanye yes. way before people had kind of had exactly. the states that he had now. Where they would go to the so, states and yeah. immediately they would get propelled. It's not only just artists. I know so many actresses, um, comedians who have gone yeah. over to America and it's kind of catapulted their career. Well, you know, Naomi, ha Naomi Harris was in Simon and the Witch. Right. I don't know if people remember that, but we thought she was in Paris of the Caribbean. She was on a yeah. CBBC show. 
That's right, how that's yeah. how far back I she remember. goes. Yeah. So it's got a lot better. I, I don't want to complain and moan and you know sp- speak as if I haven't had any opportunities because I have and I feel very blessed. But at the same time, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, no, you don't you don't cross as, as a bit of person. I just think it's it's really helpful, irrespective of gender, really. But to hear your perspective, especially because you know you were yeah. a success. And even though this has not been lauded very much in mainstream media or within the in, your in specific industry, you were massively successful. And so that's why I wanted to ask you, because it's like, even though there's a lot of work to be done and things have changed, there are people. And why I wanted to speak to you about it specifically as well, Vivi, is because I feel like there's a very homogenous aesthetic for black women as creatives. And mm. it's very binary, where it's either quite this racially ambiguous with the weave and very yes. hypersexualized, or it's like being asexual and I say people time it's like when you look behind an Ed Sheeran or an Adele or Amy Whitehouse yes, they're back yes. in singers was, are not I've got white. this on my notes right here yeah, yes they're not they're back yes. in singers are not white like when Basement Jacks or when Basement Jacks does, does their tunes yes. Yes. the vocalists they have as session artists yes. are not are not white so it's obviously clearly the vocal yes. talent is understood yes. by the industry at large but how is, what can we do to bring, especially artists that don't sit inside this very binary yes. and homogenized aesthetic like herself or someone like Shingai mm. or someone like Skin, you know, or someone like Jamili, who's also yeah. a songwriter as well. Or even Ray, who's a prolific songwriter who was able to write for both mm. like house music and R&B. How can we bring women like this to the fore and, and celebrate them? We need to shatter this one in, one out rule. There's this very much... Every year mm-hmm. there's only this one black female artist that's the one of the year and is crowned as the the soulful voice, you know, the, the, the ticking of the box. There's like a queue around the block of all of these incredible artists, black artists, female artists waiting. One comes in one year, then the next one comes in. You know, it was even me, Vivi Brown. Mm-hmm. Then the year before that, was it Kareem Bailey Ray? Then the year before that, it was that if you actually mm-hmm. analyze the journey of black female artists throughout the history of the UK music, you can clearly see it's very one in and one out. And we need to shatter that. I rem- never forget, I went to radio um, back in the day when I was left in tears, was one of the radio uh, presenters at the time. She came very close to the microphone and she said after playing my track, I didn't really like that song because it was, um, I much prefer Janelle Monet. Now, that's fine. Like in mm. music, critique, critiquing music is a part of what we do. It's art and culture. I wasn't upset by the critique because that's what, that's part of what we do. We, it's good as an artist to be critiqued and to be, you know, you know, to be un- un- put under a microscope. It's good to have that humility and check yourself. And, you know, it's part of what we do. But no other artist I was compared. It was just two black artists, two black female artists then were compared almost as if we can only have one. There has to be only choice of one. And that's the, it's, it's the only point yeah. of comparison because it's, it's, it's funny. I had this, when I was first trying to get signed to an agent, I had the same experience of people being like, two black guys on our comedy books. <laughs> How how could there be a variance in their yeah. narratives? 0.8 billion people, of course they must have the same narrative, no matter what yeah. part of the world they're from. They must do. You know, whereas like, you know, if you were to put an Arsenal and Tottenham supporter of European extraction in the same room and expect them to yeah, they you know, they like they both like the same football team, don't they? They'd go fucking berserk and everyone would call you an idiot for even mm. trying to compare those two supporters. I tell you what, a common element to both of your 
experiences uh, and takes on this is inadequate people on the other side of the table. That's mm-hmm. what comes across to me. Like, as a producer of television, podcasts, whatever anyone wants me to, you know, I like to think that, you know, when I properly, you know, like invest like time in someone, I kind of want to see that through to yeah. the end of like, you know, let's do this thing. Because basically I think, you, you know, we get along uh, we I like working with you. I like what you do. And that's, you know, but there's such a kind of transactional element for so many. It's become so transactional. Whereas you kind of, you think back to some of the great kind of producers in the history of media, you know, they, they massively invested emotionally and spiritually in the pe- in the performer's work. And I think that happens less and less. Yeah, I think, I think that's part of it. And another reason why I wanted to pose a question to you is because, you know, we'd spoken previously about mm. inspirational quotes and... You know, when you have a body of work which gives nuance and, you know, provides distinction to your life and your experiences and your aesthetic as someone that might be raised in the church, lives outside of like a metropolitan town yeah. like London, you know, I believe there are a number of black women, and not just black women, women of colour, who will have a similar experience. Yeah. And by them being able to listen to and indulge your narrative, it makes the world much easier for them to live with, especially when you're a woman trying to make sense of living within a patriarchal society. And so it's very strange, especially now, where there's such an overt call for more, uh, you know, feminist drives for representation that this is not being kind of addressed because, you know, it's like even, I think, because again, for myself, it's kind of like more people should know about what you've done because it means people are able to step outside of a box. Because I always made it like a point of principle to when I did have the stage yeah. as a black comic to stay away from a lot of tropes yes. and from a lot of stereotypical narratives, which people right. expect me mm. to say. And I feel like, you know, you're very similar as an artist that you've always, like, you've never taken a uh, stereotypical approach to the subject matter you discuss and the things you talk mm-hmm. about within your music. And it seems strange, especially for an industry that seems to be demanding that there is more positive representation from our community and more positive narratives that don't glorify or stylize, you know, negativity and violence that historically artists such as yourselves have been marginalised for so long. But the great thing is that I do believe things are getting much better. And I do think that in the last Mm -hmm. few years, it's been really exciting and really positive where I feel like there's a real renaissance, there's a real revolution happening. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a, a, a young person, black, brown, why anybody, but you know, I'm a black woman talking to another black woman out there, be empowered and be creative and chase your dreams and do what you need to do. It's a really special time right now. You know, I think people's perceptions are being shifted. There's a real enlightenment in the air. There's a real togetherness of all people. And I think that's, that is, that there's something happening um, I'm putting out a record next year, which is probably going to be the most uncompromised record I've ever put out, where every inch nice, of nice. my blackness, which has often been muted by this industry at times, is going to be coming out. I can't wait. Like, I'm t- I might as well, I might take this w- this wig off at, at the end of the podcast because I'm trying to get rid of this. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a good name for it for a mixtape. I'm taking off this wig. <laughs> Vivi Brown. <laughs> Coming soon. I like that. I like that. I think and I think I think, I think you've been very and can I just say as well, Vivi, I think that's very what you've said a very inspirational thing and it's been great. And I hope it does inspire our listeners. But can you stop being so humble? Be like this. 
Listen to me. Stay true to yourself. Because I saw them really in the US. Did you hear that? The US and France. And you know they hate us. You've heard of Eurovision. I overcame Eurovision and I overcame the US and I saw the motherfucking Millie. That's right. They call me VV Brown, oh but they should call God. me VV Platinum. No, you got to keep me. it humble, man. You got to keep it. You got to. Fine. I'll do it for you. You hear that? VV Platinum, baby. VVS Stones. Um, uh, it's been a good episode, isn't it, Dane? We've had a, we've done all sorts in this episode of just thinking back to our fictional dinner party. Oh my party god, that feels like a year ago. ago. We've had all of it. That's good. There you go. We've, so we've had three three delectable courses of food for thought, as well as an actual and surreal banquet. Ooh, the surreal banquet. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> There you go. See, you can have that name as well. For I like EP. it for this. That's the absolutely podcast, yours. The um, podcast, the surreal <laughs> banquet. We'll, we'll do. We'll do one TV. We'll do one. How will how we'll produce? Okay. I'll get our producer friends to take care of it. Surreal banquet is where it's at. I'm right. I'm making note of that. While I'm making notes of our amazing brainstorming session, Vivi, thank can you. I just thank you for coming on the podcast and being a long time yes. supporter and now contributor. Where can our listeners find out oh, more well, about you your good work? Well, you can check me out uh, on vvbrown.com and, of course, on Instagram, which is vvbrownofficial, or my socials. If you click the link in my Instagram, you'll get through to my LinkedIn, which will open up a world of things. I've got a children's book. I'm doing the Say Something Collective. Like, there's a lot of stuff I do. I'm a bit... I love Leonardo da Vinci, so I want to be the kind of artist that is just doing all kinds of stuff at all kind of times. Check me out. Dive into my world. And, uh, yeah, um, send me a message i love to talk to people so yeah i'd love to love to meet you there you go guys <laughs> fill your boots that's just vv brown just being down to earth doing her thing raising her kids <laughs> still in a million cookies brev <laughs> feeding my kids um, feeding, my kid. it, feeding my kids a million that times right. over <laughs> thanks again vv <laughs> it's been a joy <laughs> thanks vv and please yeah you can harmonize us out of this <laughs> Baby, thank you so much. Yes, Pleasure. Indeed. And we'll see thank you soon. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. Our guest was VV Brown. You can follow VV on Instagram at VV Brown Official. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Dane Snaptiste and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast, and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, question everything. Insanity Group. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.